Okay, we are live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. I'm here with my partner, my co-host in all things law enforcement, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? Doing well. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm feeling good. I took an ice bath today. Oh I set it God. up outside. I bought a tub, a portable tub, six bags of ice, oh uh, 17, 17 minutes. 18, 17, 18 minutes in ice. Oh my yeah, well, God. Well, I had to get out of the water once to, um, it's not all ice. You put water in there first, but I had to get out to, uh, I set it for 11. Then I wanted to do more. It's a long story. I'll, I'll finish the story later, but, uh, what do you say? You think we should, uh, introduce our guest and we have another yeah, one. Int introduce John. And then I'll, I'll, I'll show a little video from Equus effect. Um, uh, right. Jane Jane is having a problem getting on. Uh, I don't know if uh, with her browser or whatever it is. So we're supposed to have another guest. Well, she knows um, she's supposed to be using Chrome, right? Yes, I think she. Uh, yeah, I think she knows. She just mentioned that in her email. All right. So all right, good. Uh, well, you might if you've been paying attention to our shows the last couple of weeks, you'll remember our guest. He's back again. He's uh, he was a uh, retired second grade uh, NYPD detective, an army veteran that served in Iraq. He's a registered nurse, and he's currently the coroner of Pun Putnam County and the program co uh, coordinator for the PFC Joseph P. Dwyer Veterans Peer Support Group, John Burgess. What's up, John? How are you? Thank you for having me back again. Welcome back. We're excited to have you again. Uh, you were such a great guest. We, we, we had you right back. You got important stuff for us. Our uh, other guest who's going to be joining us soon, hopefully, um, her name is Jane Strong, and uh, she's got a remarkable program that she's the executive director of, and I think you, you take part in it too, don't you? We were one of the people we've been advocating for the program for our veterans and for the first responders up here in Putnam. All right. It's a great, it's a great program. I'm going to uh, just go to a short video about Equus Effect, which is the uh, – organization that Jane Strong uh, runs. I'm going to add it to the screen right now and we'll just get a look at it. A veteran showing up at the Aquas Effect will find that just even their initial contact with the horse can be a really uplifting experience. Just getting their hands on them provides for a release in oxytocin and they start to feel the calmness. We feel that horses are tremendously valuable in terms of bringing them back home, bringing them back into relationship with other people in civilian life, and also um, giving them a chance to be with um, the outdoors, be with horses, which are, are uh, gateway back to your own true nature is what we believe. I realize that not everybody suffers from the same problems. Um, and I'm sure that anybody with at all levels of post-traumatic or any of the other battles that they're fighting within themselves, that they'll find something here and the horses will settle you down and teach you that, um, that there is a, a peaceful way of <coughs> adapting to the new environment that we're in compared to the environment that we came out of, which was exactly the opposite. One of the things the horses has done for me is the hypervigilance that I usually have. Um, when I'm working with the horses, all I see is the horse. 
I don't see everything else around. It's just the horse. So it's very different. And it's a new sensation. It's been a long time since I felt that way. Having this unique experience with the horses here and connecting with them has just made me a lot more comfortable with the horses and with other people too. Um, just being able to drop your armor, drop your shields, you know, around you and just be more open and help you to relax and, and not focus on things that are bothering you right now in your life when you make that connection with the horse. The horses and prey animals, they come with this innate way of being with constant and homeostasis, which is grazing. They can move back and forth between these states with agility. A lot of them coming back as they stay up in that state, state of threat. The day that Apache made a connection with me by choice and chose to follow me um, and demonstrated that he trusted me helped me to realize that I could trust myself. Be, you know, because a horse has no agenda and the horse is just, you know, opening itself up based on its perception of the situation. And because a horse is hypervigilant and some of the symptoms of what we experience and deal with as veterans with PTSD is that same hypervigilance. If a horse is choosing to disregard their hypervigilance and trust, it kind of gives you permission to allow yourself to do that. This is a way of helping them adapt, and it's a way of coaching them back to become the incredible, talented, resourceful leaders that they are. What a better way to, to introduce our guest, right? That was beautiful, Bill. Uh, Jane Strong joins us. She was uh, once a competitive horse rider, and now she um, she's the executive director of the Equus Effect, the video that we just saw, helping uh, first responders, military, uh, veterans, cops, firefighters, people who may be suffering from one form or another of PTSD. And uh, it's a, I, I was fascinated by that. I, I got all choked up, to tell you the truth. Oh, when you saw the video, hi, it's nice to be here. I'm sorry, um, my computers don't talk to each other. So <laughs> one thought it was okay to be on and one didn't. <laughs> well, that's, but uh, you got Bill and uh, you know, John, that's Bill Cannon, uh, the host of the show as well. And uh, we're happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Jane, you know, this seems like an amazing program because, um, especially now as we get closer to the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, yeah. there's many people suffering from uh, PTSD, not just people in the armed forces, but people in law enforcement and specifically people that were first responders to 9-11. There's a lot of people suffering out there. And this yeah. is a great, this is a great, a tremendous, tremendous program. Yeah, thank you. Um, we certainly know that. And, um, you know, I think that I would say that it's partly maybe you would say PTSD. I think it's a lot of moral injury, too. And like, what were we doing? And what was, you know, not not that it wasn't not this question of it wasn't worth it. But what what was 
this. You know, I think everyone who signs up goes to serve, you know, and hopefully you are serving uh, something as that's beyond your own self-interest. And I think that um, this this 20 year anniversary and then us pulling out of Afghanistan has made has brought up a lot of questions for people about about um what what is going on and and what does it mean it's kind of like what does it mean um what did this mean and i think that that's troubling of course even you know i'm a civilian and i feel like wow you know this is a this is a tough one to wrestle with sure i mean imagine imagine you would have lost your leg over there or something oh yeah and then and then watching our country pull out the way we did i'm not Gotta get into the politics of it, but you have to question, wow, was it really worth it that I lost my leg in a 20 year yeah. war that they just handed the country back to them? You know, it's yeah. just. And it's the a, Marines who were just killed now. Right. It's a tough. Um, whoops. That's a beautiful photo. Yeah. I got it. I, I, um, I love horses. I, I don't want to ride them. I just I don't I don't feel it's right for them. I'm six four, I weigh over two fifty. I just feel like I'm too heavy to be riding most horses, but I love looking at them and I love watching them and I love watching them run. And I made a lot of money off of horses so far. No, I'm just kidding. I don't I don't get I'm not a horse race guy, but <laughs> but I love them. I, they're such beautiful animals. And I was watching in the video how the you know, these people that were there getting therapy. We're saying, you know, it's a moment where I'm not thinking anything else except for the horse. Yeah, I just had a guy, I just had a veteran say that to me a couple of weeks ago. He said that it was the first time, he was a Vietnam vet, and he said it was the first time since that his thoughts weren't racing. And that we hear that a lot, that this is a real break, break from not I wouldn't say reality, but break from the usual, the way their minds usually work. Because I think what happens is when we've been through a lot um, and we didn't have time to recover, certainly not in the service, certainly not in an emergency. A lot of times I think as our friend John has said, the recovery was at what was the bar? Coogan's. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you have this sort of like, okay, I'm spiking up here and then I'm going down this way where I don't care or I'm forgetting, but it's not really processing anything. Uh, it probably seems like it at the time, but it, but it isn't. And so what we believe with the work that we do is that we have a chance to let people slow down enough to process things in the space of caring for these great, big, beautiful creatures. Um, and they're working with them. So they're learning not only to care for them, but they're understanding how they operate. Um, they're understanding um, what makes them tick as prey animals because they are prey animals and they will never be predators. So they're always looking for where's the next shoe to drop, what's the next thing that might be dangerous to me and they they can't override that and so i think when we because a lot of the work we do is teach first responders and veterans um how horses operate and how they see the world and i think that 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 sort of compassion for the horse as a prey animal really and the understanding of them really helps the veterans settle down because the truth is 
that horse is going to pick up something way before you do. Um, there's nothing that's going to get past their awareness. And if they do feel something that they that might be dangerous, whether it is or not, I mean, they usually run <laughs> and then and then wait to see if it's a stick or a snake. Um, but but they're they're the way they work is that they can't override danger. And I believe truly that one of the things, the biggest costs to our nervous systems is that we're trained where you are as first responders and military folks, you're trained to override your your fear response. Um, and that's training. You know, you run into things, whereas everybody else would run away. And um, I think that costs our nervous system. So when I hear a vet say, um, my, I, my thoughts didn't race, or I wasn't thinking about all this other stuff all the time, that's a real win because that's a break from that cycle. What's it? Well, what can you take us through a day? Uh, how, uh, as far as the therapy goes, is it um, is it like a, re a retreat, a couple of days? Is it one day? Where are you guys located? Um, well, we're we're located in Sharon, Connecticut, and I met John Borges though down in uh, down in Putnam in uh, Brewster. They, we were training some folks to to do the program down there, and we're training people to do, deliver this to other parts of the country too because. We've got a big research project coming up with the VA and Yale, and they are gonna we're gonna scale this hopefully scale this up to a national level so we're accessible because you can't move horses um, and people are gonna want to have access to this we hope. Um, so what we do is um, we start in the barn and we have people start with something uh, we call a joint warm up. We used to call it joint rolling. And then we decided that wasn't a good idea. So we call it joint. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, it's legal now in New York anyway. So, well, you're in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> but we were starting to work with people from treatment centers and we're like, I don't think we should call it this, you know? So, <laughs> so anyway, we started with that. We start with, we teach people how horses see the world that, um, you know, they've been around for 55 million years. Um, they have 340 degree range vision. Um, they have it's 170 degree independent range with their ears, uh, the largest eyes of any land mammal. Um, and they have 50% uh, better night vision than we have. So they're kind of equipped, you know, to, um, to sense danger. And, and then they're fast, you know, they, they run pretty fast. So, so they, they really can can sense what's going on, but they also live in herds for safety, just like a military person lives in a unit. Um, and they definitely have each other's backs. Uh, so the other thing that, that we teach people, which is really a big part of this, is that they can sense your heart rate and muscle tension and respiration from 30 feet away. So, so if you see zebras out in the you know, on the savanna, and you see that they they all run, right? If the lion's out for breakfast, they all run. Well, that's because they're sensing that the heart rate and the muscle tension are all jacked up. The whole nervous system on a lion is jacked up, but they're moving really slowly, right? Because they're being a predator, which is what we all do as predators. We hide our intentions. Um, and so they can also tell, so they can tell that and they all run. Um, 
So, and what happens then if the lion has already eaten breakfast is that they're not, their insides match their outsides. They're just, they can oh. walk right through a herd, right? So, Amazing. yeah, it's kind of cool. And how they, so the, how they're built is to always be able to escape. And what they do is they run a quarter of a mile and they all turn around, which I'm sure you've seen. They all turn around to see if everybody made it or not. And, you know, then they go back to grazing. <laughs> You know, folks in the chat, a lot of people are asking how Joe Murray is. And Joe Murray has cor the coronavirus right now. And he's uh, he's fighting it and he's uh, he's uncomfortable. But we're hoping he's getting better every day. And also Twyla from Equus Search, she got hit with corona very tough. Uh, very, uh, And we're praying for her also. And our producer, Josh, from California, he got the most mild case of it. But let's say prayers for all three of them. Uh, that they get over the coronavirus, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jane, I'm going to put another uh, video up on the screen, and uh, we'll, we'll give this a little watch too. When they come home is probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. When the vet first gets around a horse and the horse is calm, they realize the environment's safe. I began to realize that I was reacting just like the horses do reacting to my environment and began realizing I don't need to anymore, as if I'm still at war. I'm looking at him, I'm looking at his eyes, petting the horse a certain way, and he's getting my vibes. And I says, holy cow, I says, this is amazing. And I didn't want to do it at first because I'm trying to commute with a human being and getting where I am today, not a horse. <laughs> After a couple, three weeks into this, I couldn't wait to come back up here to go through another session. So we're kind of turning them in a real tight circle, but it's the hand being here with, with these guys and uh, forming a bond with them. There you go. No force, all finesse. It was life-changing. We have them get their hands on the horse. We have them groom them. We have them walk with them just to kind of make this connection with them. Because once they feel that, there's actually a release in oxytocin that goes through the brain, which is a calming hormone. And what do they do with that now that they're going back into civilian life? They're able to maintain it, create better relationships, understand that they work very similar to the horse and that relationships are important. A lot of times veterans feel like they don't fit in with our society anymore because we don't. With the horses, it's okay just to be you. and It's okay to, to feel the way you feel. You just realize that you do fit in. I feel like a real person finally and whole. Yeah. People underestimate how therapeutic mm. animals can be sometimes. Absolutely. We don't need to hear the reporters in their take on it, <laughs> trying to trying to kill their thirteen seconds before the commercial. You know? <laughs> so that woman Megan um, was on suicide watch when she came, and um, she was went through the whole curriculum, and then finally the last day, she said all this stuff. <laughs> You know, so sometimes people, it takes a while to kind of percolate and to settle into their systems that, that you know, reacting all the time isn't really necessary, as she said. And also that you can, if you can bring this to relationships where you, you respond rather than react, because everything isn't an emergency when you come home, that you have, you, you kind of, you start at lower RPMs. When you when you come into a situation, you can always bring the volume up, but you don't have to start there, um, you know. And of course, 
We know that veterans often either they can try to control all situations they're in or they pull the shades down and they don't. They just go, they stay out of everything. And that's really not a way to live a life, you know, if you're always putting up barriers. You know, Jane, Jane, you said something very interesting and all cops can relate to this is that when you try to de-escalate a situation, you can never start way up here. You have to start way down here. And if you need to, you can start getting a little more excited as, as you know, the encounter transpires. But if you start way up here, you got nowhere to go. You know, you have nowhere, you don't have, you know, a bazooka. If you start with the bazooka, you can't go to the feather. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that was interesting. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's exactly what we teach is to learn to put some space between something that's happening out there and your response. There's a space in there and that's where you have a choice. And so we operate entirely in that space. We teach people through real horsemanship skills. So we're not actually therapy. It's, it's therapeutic. It's good for us for all of us, but it's not therapy. We call it experiential learning and coaching. And we don't have, we don't need to have a mental health professional with us. We just teach people through horsemanship skills and to teach them to settle themselves down through these tools that we teach so that the people, you know, we don't see people as broken. You know, that was what John came out of that experience and he didn't like that sort of therapizing or analyzing that he, some programs do, but we don't, we don't do that. We teach real horsemanship stuff. So, and if you want a horse to cooperate, you got to learn to regulate your nervous system. Wow. You know, one of the things I, and I just put John's uh, name on the screen, John Borges, first line peer to peer support. And he runs that 501 C three up in Putnam. And, uh, he's, he can walk the walk and he can talk the talk because he was both a 20 something year veteran of the NYPD he became a nurse. He went to Iraq, I believe, as a captain in the Army. So he knows both sides of the fence. So I can't think of anyone who's more qualified to speak about this stuff and about the problems that he sees veterans and members of the service encountering. You want to touch upon that, John? Sure. Thank you. Um, one of the pictures that you had was um, Stephanie. And Stephanie was a, uh, I think she was wearing pink jacket or something. Uh, that's it. That she's a, was a sergeant in Mountain, uh, in the city. Wow. And um, she went through the program. And and one of the ways that I can explain this to, to some people is that, you know, one of my dear friends, he's a Vietnam veteran, Silver Star recipient. That's sort of like a charging the enemy under fire kind of guy. And, uh, you know, he was going to have nothing to do with this. Nothing. Just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I said, listen, if we're going to recommend something, you have to go through the program. You have to see it. And then at the end of the day, you tell me it's bullshit, it's bullshit. And we went through the program and he has had such a turnaround and has become such a, an integral part of this. And I, I tell people, if, if, if it did this to him, think of what it could do for you. And, and I, tell, I try and tell people a couple of things. I said, first, I can't really explain to you what it does. You know, the first thing I'll tell you is that it's not therapy. I'm not telling you you're going to go to therapy. There's no therapist there. There's no psychiatrist there. Nobody's saying you're broken. Nobody's going to fix you. This is just some sort of experience that you're going to have. And once you experience it, you'll also realize, I can't really put that into words, but I felt it. And it 
changes you. And and I remember the first day I saw Jane and, and we went and did with one of the horses. I was like, okay, this is bullshit. I got a couple of minutes. I got to go and do this. I got to do this. I got this in the afternoon. I got that. And as soon as I started to walk towards the horse, the horse turned around and walked away from me. And, you know, nobody was, you know, thinking, Megan, oh, how does that make you feel? They asked me a simple question. Why, why do you think that happened? And when you start to understand horses and, and how they're sensing things, well, they perceive this threat. If this guy's jacked up, then something's going on, you know, something's, something's happening. And when all of a sudden you start to learn how to sort of calm yourself a little bit, you sort of get yourself into your own sort of skin in a sense, you start to realize what's going on and how it's being perceived. And all of a sudden you can relate to this horse and, and there's, you do these things that are amazing. I mean, you get a 1500 pound animal to follow you around a corral. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing because they, they trust you. And all of a sudden, and the other thing that Jane and I had a discussion about, it's not just transient. It's not like, you know, okay, you go through the five-week program. It's once a week, four hours a day. It's an easy thing. It's all on us. We cover the cost. And you do it for five weeks. And at the end of it, it's not like it's done. It, it stays with you. And I've seen people that have gone through the program. You see a change in their personality. You, you see a change in how they do it. Um, and the only thing that's the common denominator is the horse. And you wow. get into this this mindset, you know, I think we've talked about it before. You know, you're the hero. You're the brave guy. You're the strong guy. You've got to keep this shield up. And it's so hard to let that shield down to another person. Yeah. But when you let that shield down to this animal, all of a sudden you get this bond and it's like it clicks. And all of a sudden you just find yourself relating to this animal like you'd never. I mean, I grew up in a city on the Lower East Side. I didn't know a horse from, you know, what do I know about horses? Right. But I tell you, dealing with a horse there and, and doing it several times. And like I said, I, we've probably had 80 veterans and first responders go through it. Not one, not one has said that this was a waste of their time. No, but tremendous. On the bottom of the screen, if anyone would like to donate, uh, Jane, I would imagine you're a 501c3. Yeah, and please. that's the address to donate. Uh, yep. uh, www.theequuseffect.org/donate. Right. Uh, this is a, a tremendous cause. It's a tremendous thing for first responders, for law enforcement, people with PTSD, and that's the address if you'd wish to. Uh, and they have a website. You can go to their website, www.theequuseffect.com. Uh, yeah. Is it right? Or it's also .org. It's .org. Yeah. .org. Okay, and then you can go. They have a great website. They show you the whole program they have there. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, so I think what John hit on is right, is that, is that if you come in, you just get to, see, you get to see how you come across without any judgment. Like a horse isn't saying, oh, that jerk, you know, I'm not talking, you know, whatever the, re the repercussions that happen with people, that doesn't happen with horses. They take you as you are right now. So if you are like all jacked up, like, like Don was like, okay, what's next now? I'm going to, you know, this, that. And then the horse goes, I'll see you later when you, you know. When you calm down. <laughs> or, when you, or when you get on it. The, the horse wouldn't have liked any of us coming out of Coogan's, you know. Nope. <laughs> he would have right. said something was wrong. <laughs> But you know they they what they do is they the minute and that what I was the reason I was saying that about their they sense your what's going on inside is that if you are afraid 
like this this gentleman was that John is talking about. If you're afraid, but you're acting like you're okay, that looks kind of weird to a horse because he's seeing this tight nervous system, you know, worked up. But then he's you've got a smile on your face and you're walking straight at him, and the horse is going to be like, wait a minute, you know, I'm a, I don't know what's happening, but whatever it is, I'll find out later. Um, you know, and they're, and they're worried about what am I not seeing? You know, they're not worried about I'm going to take advantage of your fear. They're worried. What do I, what am I missing here that this person is worked up? So we teach people how to just be honest about how they feel. And that's a really big deal. That's fantastic. We're going to Jane and uh, John, we're going to go to a quick commercial. We'll be back in a few minutes. If they get, if you have to get up and use the bathroom, I don't want to be like the teacher that you're raising your hand. And I say, you can go to the bathroom now, but now's be a good time to do it. Thank you. Folks, if you're looking to relocate to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Carol Waters of the Beach Realty Group has been buying and selling property in the Myrtle Beach area for 11 years now. Carol and her husband, Rob Mayen, retired FDNY firefighter and NYPD, work as a team. Carol has been a multi-million dollar producer for the past 10 years. They have a great knowledge of all the aspects of the real estate industry. Carol is well-known around the Irish community in New York. She worked in Fitzpatrick's Manhattan Hotel for over 20 years behind the stick. She's originally born in the Bronx and brought up in County Mayo, Ireland. Contact Carol Waters for all your real estate needs in the Meadow Beach area. Carol Waters Sell, MB Sells. Carol Waters Sells, MB, at gmail.com, 914-261-6681. And, folks, earlier we... we uh, we mentioned we're going to say a prayer for Joe Murray. Joe Murray is our legal counsel here on the a police off the cuff after hours. He's a regular guest. He's a contributor to the show, as you can see. He's a lawyer. He's a retired NYPD cop. Um, and right now he's under the weather. So we're going to say a prayer for him and um, and hope that he gets back to his, his doing his, uh, his legal business here. Keep the number in your pocket, on your person, in your phone, just in case you ever get in trouble. Uh, this is the lawyer that you want in your corner representing you as a gentleman, and he'll fight for you. jmurray-law.com. jmurray-law.com. Telephone number 646-838-1702. And, Joe, if you're listening right now, uh, we're praying for you. Okay, brother? Folks, Police Coffee is an officer-owned business dedicated to crafting the finest coffees and blends. It's to, buy, to provide you with the freshest coffee available. Each brand is roasted fresh by people who know what it means to stay vigilant. And our specialty coffees do not waste one drop when flavor is concerned. Our coffee is some of the best you'll find, but it also helps serve an important cause, giving back to our community. 50% of the profits goes towards helping family members of police officers who fell in the line of duty. To order coffee and related products from policecoffee.com, go to the website. There are over seven types of coffee to choose from. 50% of the profits go to offices, families in need. For a 10% discount, use code OTC10. That's off the cuff 10. And I put my money where my mouth was. I ordered an a, a introductory pack, and I uh, used already the dark roast. It's fantastic. It's an amazing coffee. Don't, go, don't buy Starbucks. Buy it from these guys, police off, <laughs> policecoffee.com. Uh, and you'll you'll be glad you did. If you're looking uh, for supplements, be sure to check out the products from FirstDoNutrition.com. As first responders, there are certain expectations in our performance on the job. 
We train hard and drill often to be able to perform at our best when duty calls. Whether it's hoofing over 100 pounds of gear or engaging in a spontaneous foot chase, we work out like our life depends on it because it does. Two New York City firemen created the supplement line with hand-picked products that will not pop positive in any drug test for first responders. Solid pre-workout products that will give you a good pump and a short-term strength boost that can help you power through your workout. Supplements that help with fat burning and weight loss and post-workout formulas that support recovery. Go to firstdonutrition.com. Use code off the cuff to get 10% off your order. Folks, we also have, uh, we got some, uh, if you're not a subscriber to Police Off the Cuff, please go to our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, hit the uh, hit the bell. Uh, we're getting new members all the time. We're up at 13,500 right now. Our next goal is 15,000 when then we want to hit 20,000. Hmm. We're doing some amazing things on this show. Every show that we do that, is is uh, we like to give back. This is a give back show, all right? We want to advertise for cops to help first responders, to help military people. And, you know, even though this is a give back show, this is still a damn interesting show and entertaining, you know? But, you know, we, we're going to have uh, on uh, September 15th, Sammy the Bull Gravano is coming on the show. And I know some people will say, oh, you cops are interviewing a criminal. Yeah, but, you know, he has a story to tell. We didn't absolve him of his sins. The federal government did. He's coming on the show. We have Jimmy Calandra coming on on the 26th from the Bath Street Boys. So we're doing real crime shows in regards also police off the cuff shows that are more human interest type shows and entertaining shows. But there's a lot of people out there with some interesting stories. And we're going to try to tell those stories on police off the cuff. We also have a Patreon site where you can uh, pay a, a, a membership fee by the month. And we just also added a YouTube site uh, where you can become a member of a site. And there's four tiers. First one is the bucket. The second one is polish my rack. The third one is dipped in butter. And the fourth one is heated dipped in butter. So far, no one has joined the fourth tier, but we're, we're hoping someone likes to dip it in heated butter because the, that's the the heaviest tier. I like anyway, warm butter. Warm butter would have been good. Well, I could have said dip them in warm butter, dip them in heated <laughs> butter. I know. <laughs> I was under pressure when I had to come up with those four tiers in a hurry. Anyway, folks, uh, let's get back to this show. It's a hell of an interesting show, and it's for a great, great cause. With Jane and John. Yep. So, John, you mentioned um, you said you come, you go there once a week, and then it's for five weeks. Yeah, it, it, so what we've been doing is we'll schedule a, a, a program and uh, we do about eight veterans or eight cops, first responders uh, at a time, uh, because that has to do with the number of horses, the number of horse handlers, the number of uh, trainers that are there. Um, and eight is a good working number. And so you go in one day a week uh, for four hours, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We change it sometimes just based on demographics, but for the most part, that's what it is. And you do it for five weeks and uh, it's, it's an easy time. It's, it's not, you know, hard work. It's not, you know, breaking your back. It's not like, Oh my God, I, I don't want to do this. And, and I, if I can, I'll tell you a quick story. And, and we just buried a, a veteran today uh, who was um, for the one of better argument. He had no family. He, he was alone and he was a very sort of curmudgeon, grouchy, mean combat Vietnam veteran. He had a heart of gold, but he went through this program about two weeks before he died, mm. and he loved it. Wow. I mean, here's, here's this guy that's just this, like, 
grouchy, you know, I mean, I can tell you that he lived on basically coffee, cigarettes, and chocolate ice cream for like the last three months of his life. But I mean, he's just, you know, his answer was, I like it, you know, and he was just this, this tough guy. But when you see him interacting with these horses, it's sort of like all of a sudden he saw that he had this spark of humanity in him and he just created this bond. And he was one of the last people I would have thought of that said, I've got to come back here. I've got to come back. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to come back here. And one of the last things he, he did was, you know, and you never would have expected it of him, is he turned to one of our friends, one of the guys that, you know, works with him was a horse handler and said, listen, you've got to take care of yourself because I need you. That was so unlike him. You never would have heard him say that. And all of a sudden he went through this program and he was like so grateful. And we were already trying to make time for him to go back so that he could just do stuff. He wanted to learn how to be a horse handler. He said, I'll even come back and I'll muck out, you know, stalls. I found out mucking is a real thing. word. <laughs> um, but again, you know, he, he said, I just gotta, I just gotta do this. And he had this connection and, you know, again, people will ask me, well, what's it like? I can't explain it, but once you do it, once you've gone through it, all of a sudden you, you feel like now I got it. Now I get it. I understand. And it works for veterans, but it works for first responders. I mean, we've done a lot of cops that have gone through it. We've had a couple of battalion chiefs that are firefighters that were at 9-11 have lost, you know, one guy lost almost half his company. And, you know, all these people that have gone through it have just come away with this experience. And now there are other equestrian or equine, I should say equine, because equestrian is riding, correct, Jane? Right. That's right. So it's an equine program. There are a bunch of them out there, but you know, they're sort of like therapists. They're like, well, how does that make you feel? Well, how the fuck do you think it makes me feel? Get away from me. Um, <laughs> you know, but this thing is sort of, you know, it's sort of like, well, why do you think this is happening? What do you think is going on? And at the same time, they're instructing you about horses. You're learning something. And, you know, like with cops and firemen, you know, it, it's the same kind of thing. You know, give me a task, give me a purpose, I'll get it done. Same thing with vets. Give me a task, give me a purpose, I'll get it done. And here you are doing something, but you're learning about the horses. You're learning why they are the way that they are. You're learning how to groom them. You know, you're, you're learning all these things. And there's nothing like sort of like standing there and just being at peace and having this horse come over to you and just nuzzle you for, for no reason. And mm -hmm. you know, like a 1,300 pound animal. And all of a sudden, this animal wants to be next to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it, my it, wife doesn't even do that for me anymore. It doesn't come up to me and nuzzle me. <laughs> I say, honey, um, thank you. That made me feel so good. But I, I remember. Hey, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. And Allison Rogers, thanks for the five dollars uh, super chat. Um, my son has mental issues. Anything we can do to raise awareness? I am in X. I don't know where X is. But. She's from. She's from the UK. We get a lot of people from the UK okay. and Ireland, and you know. Thank you, Allison. That was very nice of you. We hope your son uh, gets some help for his mental health issues. Yeah. For sure. Horses, horses do a lot yeah. for um, this whole work that we do started with the therapeutic riding stuff, which was for kids with spinal cord issues and um, um, sensory integration and, and autism. That was the beginning of this work. And then they started to realize that that it was having emotional and mental benefits as well. Like people's heads were clearing up, you know, people were autistic kids were starting to talk. So they were, people were realizing, wow, this is kind of doing something to the nervous system. That's the kind of, you start to fire on all cylinders instead of being stuck in a, 
you know, in a kind of a groove, whether it's a physical one or a mental one or an emotional one, we all get stuck. Um, but this work with the horses seems to sort of break that up and give people more space and more choices is my thing. I like to give people more choices. Um, and we all get stuck in patterns. So in our work, we're not observing the people who come, we're with them. So we're in the circle too, because a horse doesn't say, oh, you know, that's the instructor. Doesn't matter if she screwed up and all dysregulated, you know, and here's the client, the horse, you're all in the same field. So the horse, we all need to be honest about what's going on with us. And so we kind of feel like it's a level playing field. Um, and that's, that really works too. You know, that makes it less, it's not therapy, it's more experiential learning. And we just happen to know about horses and we happen to know how they operate and what works with them. And so we try to get whoever's working with us to get on that wavelength and to see the value in it in their own lives. So you, you want to have something pull on your, 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 your heartstrings. You go where we are. It's a Pegasus Stables in, in Brewster. And they do a lot with kids with special needs and autism. You, you see a kid that's like on the spectrum and autistic and has like severe issues being next to this horse and and just you see this grin this spontaneous grin of of sheer joy it's like all of a sudden this is just like it's an amazing thing i never would have expected it and i've been there a couple of times and i've seen it and i just go like this is just something amazing john i didn't mean to cut you off with the sound from this uh, just a little short video on this in this video we would like to introduce you to a program called the equus effect through connection with the horses, you will have the opportunity to gain life-changing insight and information around managing your emotions, setting healthy boundaries, and dealing with triggers by responding rather than reacting. Why do we use horses? Horses are honest. How they feel is what they do. Horses lack hidden agendas. They have a transparent trust. We will learn together how to be around them and the wisdom we can receive from them. Please join us at the farm. We look forward to meeting you. Oh, that's nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that's really That's a really nice thing. I didn't see that before. Um, it's, it's a gorgeous place. Yeah, and you know, so one of the things that I would say too is that a lot of people um, ask, does the horse like me? You know, and we all, we do that. We personalize things a lot. And I think for what we tell people, which is kind of a big deal, is for a horse, trust is way up here, number one. Like is kind of down here. So their whole deal is, are you trustworthy? Are you fair? Are you moving in a way that makes sense to me that doesn't seem threatening? So, and, and are you you know, are you able to set a healthy boundary? I mean, they, they look at all those things and they really respond to that in a way that helps us gain trust in ourselves. Because I think that a lot of vets who come home, I think a lot of people who've been in harm's way, whatever their situations, you, in a way it's, it's sometimes you wonder if you can trust yourself because you are so reactive to things. Um, and nobody wants to hurt someone else who doesn't deserve it. And I think that lack of trust, it's really cool when a horse says, you know what, you're good. <laughs> like I'm here. And right. you know, 
I'm cool with you. You, you know, you know, Jane, we've had a lot of um, veterans on, and we've had a lot of um, retired police officers that. Uh, Lisa Stewart, thank you so much for polishing my rack. <laughs> That's the level. She's a member at Polish My Rack level. That's great. You know, we wanted to get those shirts, but what we, what we mean when we say Polish My Rack, cops have medals, and, and we call it our rack. So when I was a sergeant in the PD, when my detectives broke my chops, I would say, go get your gun cloth and your gun oil and go polish my rack. And it was a subtle put down, but it was, it was funny. You know, we used it. We, we sort of used it as a, anyway, that's what one of our tears is called that. But some people wanted to get a shirt that said, polish my rack. And I said, I don't know if everyone could wear that shirt, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> might get them into some trouble, you know, but anyway, that's, uh, but anyway, getting back to the veterans and the cops we've had on here, it's, um, some of them like that were overseas. And John, I said this to you once before, and you have I've heard this uh, be said before. One said, when I'm here, I want to be home. And when I'm home, I want to be back there. And that's a very conflicted situation because it's saying that you're not comfortable really in either place. And that potentially could be. And in, in this individual, Mark and I, and uh, we had one other person on, we said we could, his PTSG jumped through the screen and grabbed us by the throat. You know, he had it that bad. You know, we could just feel it. There's a there's a good book out there by um, Sebastian Younger. It's called Tribe. Yeah. And um, he does this little YouTube or TED Talks thing about why veterans or, or people that have been overseas in combat miss it. And and he really does a good job in explaining it. You can't really do it in two minutes. But it's one of these things that it's that camaraderie. It's that group. It's putting those things above you. You know, you may not even like the guy, but you're going to sacrifice yourself to save him because mm -hmm. he's part of this team. He's part of this group. And he makes this one comment. He was at a having a party or something. And one of the veterans that was with him, he was in a place called Restrepo. And they yes. did a video about Restrepo. And, you know, you got to imagine this place is a shithole. I mean, it's one of the worst places that you want to be. You know, you're wearing the same clothes for a month. You know, there's there's no running water. There's no this. There's no that. And somebody asked him at a party, this this uh, young squad leader, you know, do you miss anything about it? <laughs> and he said the, the guy thought for like a few minutes and he looked at the woman and he goes, almost everything. Mm -hmm. He missed almost everything. And then I'll tell you, as soon as I landed back from Iraq, I was in the busiest trauma center in the world. I wanted to get on a plane and go right back. And when we were trying to, to go back over to Afghanistan, that was another thing. You know what I mean? It, it's a funny thing to see people like walking around and going to different commands. Like, do you need somebody with my skill level? Do you need some, you know, we're here, we're willing to go. It, it, it's an odd thing. It, it's it's kind of how you can justify it. I don't really know, but uh, you know, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, concept. And it really, uh, it, it really is John. It really is. that it's like, I think there's probably a, a correlation between the, that and, and, and the police department too. Sure. In the busier commands, when you really, when the shit was happening, you felt that camaraderie, you know, you felt that, uh, you know, you'd run through a wall for somebody, you know. I mean, I was and, like what it was like in the 3-4 squad. Yeah. Been in the 3-4. You know, yep. I mean, here, here, here is anarchy, riots, three cops were killed when I'm there. I mean, all this stuff going on. And you got people that are in the 3-4, they're going like, I wouldn't be anywhere else. I love this, this place. That's right. That's this is right. where I want to be. Yeah. Duty Ron, thank you so much for the $10 super chat. Duty Ron says, I'm going to get my shine box. Boss, great guest. Thank you, Bill and Mark. <laughs> I love that. You know, <laughs> it's uh, thank you so much. 
you know, we're talking about just the camaraderie of, of uh, being in these crazy places. And, you know, something I did, re- I read that book by Sebastian Junger Tribe. Okay. Uh, and that place, yeah, that place was Strepo. Uh, you know, and it was hard to understand what when you hear, like, what war is, you know. What was the point of the whole thing? They would run down the mountain. They would come back up the mountain. They would fire at them. They would, fire, you know, it just, it seemed almost like a game, but it wasn't a game because people were dying, you know. I think, I think he points out that, you know, it was in this particular valley. And at one time, the battles that were going on in that valley accounted for like a fifth to a quarter of all the firefights happening in all of Afghanistan. It, it was that particular type of, uh, I don't want to mispronounce it, Kandahar Valley or something like that. Right, right. But, uh, you know, it's just, and then you you listen to the to the guys, it, you know, they want to go back. And it's the same thing, you know, but again, going to something like this with the horses gives you a chance to just sort of like reset for a second. Yeah. And, and just sort of like bring yourself back into, you know, I don't want to say normalcy, but brings you back to yourself, you know. But again, I mean, I understand 100% what that guy was talking about, about like, you know, I miss almost everything about it. You know, how many times do you hear about cops? You know, I miss the guys that I'm with. I don't miss the job. Right. Right. I miss the guys that I'm with. Well, you know, a a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago, but I I saw a fellow Sergeant in rags, that famous bar (laughs) across from the two five. And he had just got back from Iraq. I won't use his name, but I I went up to him. I said, how was Iraq? And, And he looked at me and he goes, it's a very bad place. (laughs) <laughs> that's all he said and I was like wow <laughs> can I buy you a drink you know <laughs> he just said it's a very bad place and I was like well it must be because this guy is a you know is a tough guy you know go ahead John sorry no, I was just going to say it's one of those things this is just a tool you know it's not like saying you know you're going to do this you're going to do the horses and, we're, and you're fixed this is just another tool for you to be able to use when you do come back from Iraq and go like mm-hmm. oh, very bad place or Afghanistan, or, you know, you, you and I have talked about this. I wouldn't be a cop now, but you know, those guys that are raised and those guys and girls that are raising their hands to be cop, my hat's off to them, man. Cause I would not be doing this. Right. Um, and yet mm-hmm. there they are, they're doing it. And this is a way for them to, to help cope with it. Yeah. And I think that the, I think that that book tribe is very, very, clear in its message that it's this interdependence that makes us feel better we feel very real and useful and useful like something. yeah very very useful you're serving something more important than you and when you lead people to this that he says this other thing about the most depressed people are the people who are on their own these high you know wealthy single women in new york city living in a city and they're so lonely you know and this is, it's kind of a cool thing to break that. That's what we do with the horses. We kind of break that cycle. And yeah. we call them cellar dwellers. You know, they're, they're cellar dwellers. You know, the, the misery that they know is is better than, you know, the unknown. And, and they hide, you know. And it, this is a program through Jane that helps get them out. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting thing to do, I think. For a lot of us, uh, everything becomes mundane, routine. Yeah. You know, when you can get up there and 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 get close to the horse and touch the horse, and and they teach you how to do stuff with the horse, I would imagine that that separation from your real life, and it's something to get excited about. It's something cool. It's something that you, you know you don't get a chance to do. It's just something to look forward to. 
other than the routine, the mundane. Yeah, I think that's right. It's nothing like our norm, our regular lives, you know, you're, and you're, and you're learning something new. So you're developing, you're developing competence in something, which is a big part of any, you know, first responder job is competence and skill um, and, and a sense of timing, a sense of sort of organizing your body in a way that you can actually do stuff with a horse. So it makes, that makes sense to them. And also we kind of up the ante each week. So people are doing more and more complicated things and they're getting good at it. You know, they're really developing a skill so that when they, if they feel like going back to work with horses in some way at a therapeutic riding place, they're really handy around the horses because they get how they work and they get how to be with them in a way that makes the horse feel safe. So that's great. So, Lieutenant yeah. Peter Pranzo, Harlem Raiders fame. Thank you so much for the $5 super chat. The Lieutenant says great show, great cause. Uh, thank you so much, Lieutenant Pranzo for your support. Uh, you know, we're going to do a, a bunch more shows uh, before the actual 20 year anniversary of nine 11. In fact, Bob Martin, who came on, and wrote the book 9-11, 20 years later. He's going to come back on on 9-9 because he, even though the show he did was fantastic, he didn't feel that he got out all that he wanted to say. And he he asked if he could come back on, and I said, absolutely. So he's going to come back on 9-9. I think we also have a retired fighter, fire, firefighter who's going to come on on 9-7. And I also may be able to get a retired chief who ran Fresh Kills uh, and I'm, I'm trying to get him on, and that would be an amazing story. Um, Grace Green, thank you so much for the $40 Super Chat. We really appreciate that. Thank Very you. grateful for all of you. That's really uh, th fantastic. Very generous of you. Uh, yeah, these stories, and I mean, I, I just I cringe sometimes when I hear politicians don't want to give the full celebration and the full memory, the full memoriam to 9-11. They want it to go away. And guess what? It's never going away. It is never, ever, ever going to go away. So stop wishing it would go away. And every year they try to minimize it more and more. Like this year they won't allow first responders to go to the ceremony, just family members who have lost people. And I, I don't I feel that's so wrong. You know, first responders belong, they're part of that family. They should be welcome in that house. 24 7, 365 for as long as they're alive. You know, that's my feelings anyway. And it, and it continues to take lives. I'm going to awake on Thursday and the funeral on Friday for somebody who just died of lung cancer from 9 11. Yeah. So it continues to take and it continues to take. Well, you know, John, we all suffer from it. We all have yeah. stuff. I have stuff wrong with me from it. And Mark has stuff wrong with him yeah. from it. You know, you, you responded. You paid the, uh, uh, you know, you paid a little bit of the price. We're alive, thank God. Yeah. AK Rocks, thank you for the $10 super chat. Never forget. You're right, brother. Never forget. And we right. won't. Shows like this will keep this alive. And, you know, we'll call out these politicians, too, that want, you know, they want to forget about it because they they weren't part of it. And and they then they don't have the balls to do what we did, you know. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I feel so strongly about that. That's why they want to put it on the back burner and they don't want to put it on the, the forefront anymore. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. I'm working with a firefighter now who was in 9-11. He's only 50 years old and he's um, he's got something with his sinuses and with his lungs. And he's, you know, he was just talking about how he feels like they these the politicians or whoever wants it to go away because it's expensive, you know, 
It's expensive to keep people, you know, going or to whatever they have to do and, and to honor them and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, it's kind of, it's a, it's a long haul. And I think that they feel that it's, you know, old or something, but this guy is very upset. He's very upset right now. Um, Make a slap in the face. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Angie Ng says, hi, everyone. Sorry I'm late. The Manhattan Mounted Unit had a cat that knew how to trot, canter, and gallop. I just <laughs> had to throw that out there. He was <laughs> he, he was copying the horses. He wanted to be a horse. You know? <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. Like I yeah. said, Stephanie was a sergeant. So, yeah. And you don't have to have any experience, by the way, with horses. Right. You, know, you, you, you don't because you're not riding. You're not doing anything. It's, it's a completely separate thing. That's stuff. And now, did, did Stephanie go there because she wanted to help or because she wanted the therapeutic value of being around horses or both? Because I, I knew her husband or I know her husband who was also in the army overseas in Iraq and he was a cop as well. He just retired. Um, well, retired a couple of years ago. And um, we were talking and then, you know, we were talking about doing this with Jane and for first responders, nurses, you know, you know, nurses, dispatchers and stuff like that, that were going through all these things, particularly with COVID. And there was no release for them. And, you know, we said, well, why don't we do this for first responders then? And I knew Stephanie and I knew her husband. So she actually sent her husband first and <laughs> said, said, Mike, you go first. And then if you like it, I'll, then I'll, then I'll mm -hmm. go. And uh, she cool. ended up doing it. And uh, she's actually, I think, going to help us coordinate the program with uh, Pegasus, the Equus Effect, and Jane. Cool. I, I got to tell you, Bill and I started this show traveling into the city to record it or up to his uh, palatial estates. <laughs> yeah. And I never understood how we were going to do it, you know, the way we're doing it now remotely. And then it turns out that this is kind of sort of a way better way to do it. We get to talk to people all over the world. We don't have to sit. I could sit here in my underwear. I could, you know, drink. It's great. And this is one of the first times that I actually miss doing a location. Um, recording because we could have went up to the stables and spent the day up there yeah, bill you, you and it would have been and do a recording a live show from there yeah. so this is one of the first times where i actually miss uh not having a studio and not doing like location uh recordings you know someone asked um how can they stop 9-11 first responders from going to the memorial service well i would guess that they would have it fenced off and they will have actually like a guest list that other police officers will check to see. I would imagine that's how it's going to be. You know, I know a few years ago, Bloomberg tried to stop them from reading the names and the yeah. family, the families weren't having it. They were like, yeah. no, we're, we're reading these names. Like, Oh, is it too long for you? You do not like this, you know, but mm -hmm. for the families, it's so meaningful. They want, they want the memory to, to be kept alive. And like for politicians tr to try to just turn it off, like it's a faucet. It's just ridiculous. You know, Nancy Drew, thank you so much. Sergeant Bill is going to guest on Grizzly Books, True Crime Tomorrow. That's true. 3 p.m. tomorrow, I'm going to mm. go on uh, the Grizzly Books show. And uh, she flattered me by calling me a NYPD legend, which I'm sure I'm not, but thank you anyway. You know? <laughs> I did it uh, last week. It was great. She's a lot of fun. Uh, she's got a great audience, by the way. That's great. Yeah, she's got a good following there. You know, we're, we're at the hour, Mark. Do you have anything uh, we uh, – yeah, I'm going to be uh, Wednesday night. I'm at the uh, what? I just want to read it properly. It's the uh, the Police Association of Michigan. I'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan, doing a show there for them. And then um, 
uh, my my album drops September 14th. So if you could look out for it, if you're a fan of the show, uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, it's coming out uh, on, on um, iTunes and uh, Spotify and Sirius XM. So it's called The Bangers. That's great. Una who she wrote you bill you are truly legendary thank you so much Una who i need to have like just read these live chats when i need an ego boost every once in a yeah. while you know my wife says i don't need an ego boost that i have a big enough ego <laughs> as it is but she just likes to she likes to <laughs> knock me down you know <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't like when i talk about her either on on, on yeah, but, uh, anyway uh, uh jane last last words no, just is really nice to be here, and I hope uh, we see some of your folks in your audience. And we're here for you, um, frontline health workers, as well as um, law enforcement people and veterans. We're just happy to have you all come and see what you think. That's so great, Jane. It's a tremendous uh, 501c3, and you could they can go on your website, equuseffect.org. Uh, Right. And John, John Borges, last words. It seems like you're a regular because you were just on like two weeks ago. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Um, you know, just for my fellow officers, firefighters, you know, everybody else, veterans, you know, during these hard times, the hardest thing for us to do is to reach out to somebody. Just, you know, put your hand out. You know, somebody's going to be there to take it. Somebody's going to be there to help you without judgment. And they're going to be just like the horse. Without judgment, they're there to help you. Yeah. You know, John and Jane, well, I'd just like to say to you guys, like we've said to a couple of other groups on, you guys are doing God's work and keep it up. Equus Search, which is another group that searches for kids all over the world. They also do uh, God's work. Joe Reek, thank you so much for being uh, one of our members. Anyone that's in green, Mark, you can see in the chat, are members of the Police Off the Cuff family. And uh, our family is growing because people just want to be dipped in butter. You know, <laughs> and then yeah, the warm but so far no one's dipped in the warm butter, but they're gonna be getting. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? I, I, that I don't mean? know if I could. Do, we there was a <laughs> there was an expression we used to say in the police department. If someone lived a charmed life, we would say that cop's balls have been dipped in butter. So we thought we would <laughs> we would use that for one of our tears. Well, we didn't yeah. say what it was, but that's that's what that's what it was. It was like leading a charmed life. Oh, he yep. was dipped in he was dipped in butter, you know. So it it became funny. We put it on our coffee mugs, on our shirts. So, Mark, any final words? No, I just want to say thank you for everybody for tuning in. My aunt Johansi was uh, she was with us tonight, and Raquela and uh, Grace Green for you. Uh, Ange Angela has been really funny in the comments there. Um, and we're praying for Joe, by the way, Angela. Please let him know that. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, on behalf of Police Off the Cuff After Hours, I'm Bill Cannon and my partner, uh, Mark DeMeo, John Burgess, and Jane Strong. Good night, everyone, and thank you so much for listening. Good night. Good night. Thank you.